you for joining us for another episode of Straight Talk with NDFB. I am your host, and today have the pleasure of having a personal friend of mine in Mr. Jason Top, also a County Farm Bureau president over in Foster County, and uh, was excited to, to get an opportunity to sit down with Jason for a few minutes and just talk about uh, their operation. It's, uh, it's a multifamily operation, and they're on a, a number of different fronts, both uh, both on the farm side of things and the livestock side of things. So just want to say thanks for taking the time to join us today, Jason. And if you could just dive right in and tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, the family, where you guys are located, and um, a little bit about the the history of the Tops and their their agricultural enterprises over the last few generations. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, Seth, thanks a lot for having me on today. Uh, Sure, an honor and a privilege to be able to talk with the folks at NDFB and so my story is I am a fourth-generation farm and rancher on our, our home operation, which is 25 miles northeast of Carrington, and uh, we run a, a diversified crop operation, small greens, barley, durum, um, and as well as row crops, pinto beans, soybeans, corn, and then we've uh, started a, a smaller organic operation as well on, on some of those acres. And uh, then we run a, a cow-calf operation in background as well. And then we also farm my my mom's farm down at Spiritwood, just east of Jamestown. And, and we're the fifth generation down there. So I like to tell folks that we're ninth generation uh, farm and ranch family here. And uh, so we farm with currently my, my dad, my brother, and myself, as well as seven full-time um, employees between folks that are here full-time American citizens and, and a, a fairly substantial H-2A foreign visa workforce as well. You know, with that diversification, Jason, there's a there's a ton of different stuff. You guys are going in different directions. How how does that look from day to day? Do you do you divide duties of labor? Does does one guy kind of head up a certain portion of the operation, whether it's the the traditional side, and, and one guy kind of focuses on the, the, the livestock, um, cow-calf, and backgrounding operation. You and I, as friends, I'm, I'm constantly calling you and asking you for advice on some of the, the issues of trying to find uh, qualified local labor at, at an affordable price. So if you could just tell us a little bit about how that looks from day to day, and there's a ton of different stuff going on. And obviously this year in, in much of our country, there's drought to contend with. So uh, it doesn't, it certainly there might be less hay out there and less crop out there, but you're still covering the same ground. And in some cases, trying to cover some more um, to make up losses, whether they be for forage or any other circumstance for that matter. So can you tell us a little bit, uh, one of the things that we hear from our members is that challenge of, of finding a labor force. And if you could talk a little bit about um, how that's looked for you and how you guys have been able to successfully move your operation forward, having that issue that so many people contend with somewhat um, somewhat mitigated. Yeah, so um, in, in terms of the management, um, my brother, Dustin, manages the green side of our operation um, and is in charge of, of making crop rotation decisions, uh, you know, where, where crops are going and all the things on the crop side, both organic and conventional. And then I run the cow-calf and backgrounding side of the operation and, and most of the things that are involved with that. Our workforce is spread out across everybody. We don't, uh, you know, we don't have certain guys that are, 
are strictly on the crop side, certain guys strictly on the cattle side. Um, everybody kind of gets to wear all the hats at some point for the most part. And uh, so, yeah, so that has its own set of challenges in that, you know, guys got to be able to, to learn to do a lot of different things as opposed to just being a highly specialized tractor operator or, you know, cattleman or whatever. I mean, guys are expected to be able to go from a, a tillage tractor to a feeding tractor to fixing fence, whatever the uh, project of the day is. And, and so that does require a lot more training and a, a lot more, more management on that side. Um, yeah, probably the last five or six years have really continued to have issues trying to source labor in, in the domestic market. And uh, to your point about reasonably priced, not even reasonably priced at any price, really just finding folks that, that have a desire to be doing production agriculture and in rural North Dakota was getting harder and harder to do. And so we've used a little bit of, of H2A labor, um, visa labor over the years. And, and so that's become a, a system and it, it's had a lot of trial and error, taking a lot more training at times and uh, has been a little bit of a revolving door or has been in the past. And now after probably four to five years of, of kind of working through a bunch of, of different folks have finally got a a crew and, and a team put together that I think is going to be pretty stable and are working uh, with several of them to start the process to get them here on a, a permanent basis. And that's something that they all desire to do. And and so we're working with them currently to, to try to jump through all the hoops that are involved in that process. That's great. Obviously, the 3,000-pound elephant in the room in, in our neck of the woods has been especially in the cow-calf arena, we, we felt like we were moving out of, and, and, and even in traditional agriculture, we were working through some of the supply and demand issues that we saw in agriculture, some of the price issues that um, were due to COVID. And here we find ourselves in, in major parts of the state, smack dab in the middle of what would be a once-in-a-lifetime or a once-in-a-30-year uh, drought. And there's just been a ton of issues to contend with. Just so our, our folks know that the, the sun isn't always shining um, on a, whether you're a third or fourth or fifth or ninth generation ranch, what are some of the specific issues that you guys have had to contend with um, on the livestock and maybe just, just the agricultural side of things in, in general and, and uh, how have you been able to get through this year that, that certainly has provided uh, plenty of challenges to contend with? Yeah, and so... Uh... I was talking to uh, a local research extension guy here a week or so ago that said that there, some of the records that he's seeing said that this is the worst drought in 127 years. Um, and so whether you say 30 years or 127 years, it's, it's the worst that a lot of folks have ever seen it. And for sure in a long, long time, we, and we went from in the fall of 19 being the, the wettest year in, in 20 some years and only getting half of the farm planted in the spring of 20 to, uh, you know, then drying up last fall and, and moving into this year and into kind of a historical drought. And so, yeah, that's been a challenge. Uh, we did get the crop in the ground. We ended up chopping probably 700 acres of corn that did not have an ear on it, went in and, and kind of spot chopped all of our worst worst yep. corn. And uh, so that that's created its own set of challenges and opportunities. And yeah, and just in terms of we we, were, we chopped silage on the 6th of August, which was a full two weeks before we've ever chopped silage before. We just weaned yep. calves last weekend. 
and uh-huh. so um which is a month earlier than we've ever weaned calves um I spent a big chunk of my summer building fence and and fixing fence on some pasture ground and CRP that extend grass wherever we could are now dealing with water issues that uh, will probably last into next spring um pastures that even if we get some good rain here, which we've gotten lately, have really greened those pastures up, but don't have usable water anymore. The surface water, the, the dugouts are, are just completely dry or dry enough and, and muddy in the bottom and, and they're not usable. And and so, yeah, we've got a, a whole slew of issues that and challenges that, that we're trying to work through. And I think there's some opportunities moving forward and in, in going into hopefully what's trending into the upward side of the cattle cycle. But that's what Tomorrow holds, and we're just trying to hold things together to to get there. So yeah. So as the guy who's, who's definitely a man after my own heart, uh, the the guy that manages most of the livestock, like you said, you got to be willing to wear all hats. But um, that's kind of your responsibility to head up at your family's operation. What are what are some of the changes that you guys have made in the last uh, maybe five to ten years in terms of how that, that yearly management cycle works, whether it's breeding season, and then maybe just share with our livestock producers some of the management tools that you've gained that that you and I have talked about over the course of the few years that that helps you uh, really quantify some of the data. Um, to 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 allow for you to make those management decisions to, to add to your bottom line, Jason. Sure. So we made the decision in the spring of 2020 to move about a third of our cow herd from a February March calving herd into a May and June calving herd, uh, just to kind of free up some some of our labor force. And it had just gotten so labor intensive for us to to calve that time of year. And so that is that is significant impact on you know a lot of labor savings and as well as some feed savings for us as well um, yep. and so that that has been a huge uh, huge change for us um, we're we're still kind of working through that process we'll wean that first group of early calves here um, within the next couple of months and then you know we'll, that'll help us make some decisions going forward on on what our cow herd is going to continue to look like um, but but thus far seems to be a, a really good move for us. And, and it's all about finding synergies within within your system. And for us, our thing has become how do we add value to our operation? So that's um, whether it's this organic enterprise that we've started here the last couple of years, moving some of these cows back to continue to keep our cow herd size up while still conserving some feed resources and and things of that nature but just for us not maintaining the status quo just because that's what we've always done is really helping us to continue to to have an opportunity to uh, hopefully build something for the the next generation thank you so much for the time that you set aside for us today um just leave you with one final question and that would be we're trying to define the farmer and rancher of the future so um, as somebody who's got a, a long track record in their family of, of being successful, I think I heard it said one time that regardless of, of what business you're in, only about 16% of family businesses see it through to the third generation. The time that I've known you, certainly you're committed to seeing that through to another generation. 
uh, what advice would you have for that young farmer and rancher who is just moving forward um, into full-time agriculture, whether it be farming and or ranching, to, to get through the, the, the next few years here and get off to a good start, Jason? You know, in, in an environment like this where, where things are constantly changing, the number one thing is to be flexible, um, to, to be evaluating all of your decisions on a continuing basis and not get stuck into especially this what they call the sunk cost fallacy in uh, in economics where um, when you start down a path even if you put some time and effort and, and dollars into a plan don't let that get you sucked into oh I've got to keep doing you know, whatever it is that I'm doing here because I, I've invested so much time and money if, if that's not going to make you money going forward you just make the change and just move ahead because flexibility in today's day and age, things are going to change um, from moment to moment. And you've got to be flexible to, to take advantage of the opportunities as they come. Very well put, sir. Thank you uh, very much. I, uh, I'm going to be working on my dexterity, both from a business sense and, and physically. I don't know that I'm as flexible as I used to be, but I think that that's really good advice. Again, this has been another episode of Straight Talk with NDSB. I want to say thank you to my friend Jason Top for joining us, and thank you for listening.